If you would, grab your Bibles. Uh, we're going to dive into Philippians 2 today. And uh, we're grateful, uh, I'm grateful that you're, you're here to worship with us and to dive into God's Word as we ask the question, what would you give up to grow spiritually? That's what we're talking about. What would you give up to be closer to God. Now, I'm not talking relationally. If you're a follower of Jesus, you can't be any more a son or a daughter than what he's made you. If you're adopted into his family, if, you're a, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you've committed your life to Christ, you've surrendered your life, you've received his free gift of grace, he's adopted you into his family, you've been born again to his family, you're his son or daughter. So when I say closer to God or grow spiritually, I'm not talking about earning anything from God. What I'm talking about is experientially closer to him. Meaning I can have a father as I would imagine most of you do on some level. Uh, pretty much we can all agree that we had a father get us here into this world, but there's probably varying degrees of relationship we may have had or have with our father. And this is the, the degree of the experiential that I want to talk about is what is your experience with God and what is it going to look like and how are you going to grow spiritually? So I need your help as I ask a series of questions and for, for your full participation. Is that all right today? So here's what I'm going to ask. Here, George, how many of you would say, by a show of hands, you want to grow spiritually? Raise your hand if you say, I want to grow spiritually. Now you're in church, so yeah, that's easy. Sunday morning, you're in church. That's not hard. Okay, how many of you would love a million-dollar business, multi-million dollar business? Like, yeah, I'll take that. That'd be great. All right? Some, some of you like, no way. Um, now, how many of you would love a body like Brad Pitt or like Daniel Stevens? Raise your hand real quick. So like, like Daniel Stevens or Brad Pitt. All right, now, some of you ladies are like, no, I don't want that body at all. That's crazy. Why is it, is it interesting, lots of people want the same things, but not everybody has the same things, right? A lot of people want to grow spiritually, but why, aren't every, why isn't everyone growing spiritually if they want to on a Sunday morning? Why, why if someone wants to, uh, they want a million dollar business, why don't they have that? Why if someone wants this, why, why don't they have that? And I think um, as I begin to ask that question, uh, I began to think about a guy, a friend of mine that I work out with. And this guy is a great guy. I look at him and he's like fit. He's very, very fit. He's got definition in his muscle. He's got like a waistline. I look at him and I think, we're not that different, you know? And um, I look at him and I think, you know, you look awesome. And so then I look at the mirror and I go, well, maybe we're a little more different than I think. I look at him and I think, yeah, we're good. I look at the mirror like, no, maybe we're not. Look at him, good. Mirror, no, no, probably not, right? And so when I look at this, what, what, what is the difference? Now, why is he, I, I would love to be like that. He is. Now, what's the difference? Here's what I've noticed. He gives up stuff. He, he's, he's given up stuff that I'm yet willing to give up. Let me give you an example. He eats crazy things. Like, he eats vegetables for breakfast. Everybody knows vegetables aren't for breakfast. Nobody told him, apparently. He eats, like, like baked chicken for breakfast as a protein, and he doesn't know that bacon is the official protein of breakfast. Come on, somebody, defender of bacon, right? He doesn't know this. He, he told me the other day, this is a true story, true story, I'm not lying. He said he's eaten Mexican food twice this year, and I'm going, that's a West Texas sin. Like, isn't that a sin? Especially on Tuesdays, because like, meanwhile, I can't go buy a Rosa's without getting a taco, especially on Tuesdays, because tacos were made for, Tuesdays were made for tacos. <laughs> Don't judge me, I see you. You see your hungry eyes right now looking up here. What's the difference? Here's the difference. He's given up something I've yet to give up. He, he, there, there's something he's given up. I'm, not, I, I'm still in the process of figuring out am I really ready to give that up. 
we both work out, all these things, but he's given up something. The reason I think some, some of the reason I think some don't have what they really want could be, possibly could be, because they're not willing to give up what it takes to get that. Um, and I, I know this isn't profound, I'm just, it's just, just truth. It's just, so, so maybe the reason you don't have the kind of business you want is you're not willing to put into it what it's going to take to put into it to get what you want. Possibly. Possibly, the reason you're not where you're at spiritually or where you want to be spiritually is because you haven't given what it's going to take to get there. And what I mean by that is not earning anything, but what I mean is the investment and the relationship. And I think, uh, when I began to think about this, could it be that spiritual growth could be a reality for me this year, for you this year, if I would simply be willing to give up something I've yet to be willing to give up? And so, I think as I look at this, I look at Jesus as the, as the ultimate example. In the Philippians, you have Paul writing to the church at Philippi, and he's, he's talking to them about how to get along with one another, how to love one another, and serve one another in Christian community. And as he's doing this, he, he, he um, uses Jesus as the prime example of someone who gave something up. And I want to look at this, if you would, with me. Philippians 2, 5 through 11, reading from ESV. It says this. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who through, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God something to be grasped, but he emptied himself. Now, the NIV says he became nothing. ESV says he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that the, na- the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. As I read this passage, one of the things that strikes me is this phrase that he emptied himself. In describing Jesus and what he did for those who would come and be followers of him, those that would be recipients of his grace and his mercy, those that would, as John describes, be born again. As Paul describes, would be adopted into his family. Those who would be recipients of his grace, confess their sins, repent of their sins and receive him as Lord, recognizing Jesus raised from the dead. There, there was, there's something about this, this picture of Jesus, of someone who emptied himself. He, he, he didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped. Jesus became a man, he became a servant. This is something we celebrate all the time at Christmas, right? As Christmas comes, we recognize the advent. We, are, we recognize Jesus coming to earth and becoming a man, how significant that was. But here when we talk about this, I think about what Jesus gave up. He, he didn't give up his divinity or his deity. Jesus gave up his glory. Now this is, a, this is important, a different, an important distinction. He didn't lay down his divinity he laid down his glory. Now, let me explain. 
there's a, there's a heresy that has kind of been in the church since the beginning called Gnosticism. And in essence, it's a lot more complicated than I'm going to make it right now. But in essence, all, all things spiritual are good and all things physical are evil. So anything with matter is evil. So God could never have really come as a man and become a man in physical matter because matter's evil. So Jesus was kind of a a spirit being, and he never really was a true man, and so if he was, that, would, that wouldn't work. And so there was this heresy that ran around, and they would point to passages like this, the, the idea that God emptied himself, the idea that, that he didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped. It's like, see, he was less than God. He wasn't really God. And there's various cults that make this statement, but here's what we really know as we look at the whole of Scripture to be true, is that Jesus never laid down his deity. He laid down his glory. He was always 100% God and 100% man. We know that unlike Adam, the first Adam in Genesis 1 and 2, who grasped to be like God. Why did he, gra- why did he eat of the fruit? Why did Adam and Eve eat of the fruit? Because they wanted to be like God. You can be like God if you eat this. And they grasped even to the point of being disobedient to the very God they were trying to be like. Being disobedient, they grasped at the fruit to try to be like God. And here's a a beautiful picture of the second Adam, Jesus, who's saying, I'm not going to grasp after this, although I am fully God. We have the one who is fully God, not grasping, not taking advantage of his deity in this moment, but submitting to the Father, but being obedient even to death on the cross, becoming a servant, giving up his glory. Man, what an amazing example as we look at Jesus. He gave up his glory to bring forgiveness of sins and salvation to all who would believe in him. This is a significant thing. He gave up the comfort of heaven for a dingy stable and a bed of hay that despite children's stories was not soft. He gave up the worship of the throne room for settling disputes among fishermen and involving himself in the suffering of his creation of all mankind. He gave up the unquestioned loyalty of a heavenly choir for a fair-weather group of followers who would deny him, disbelieve him, and ultimately betray him. See, salvation is free to us, but it is costly to the Father. It is costly to the Son. It's costly to Jesus. He gave up his glory. He gave up his life. And this is modeled in the Father as well. One thing we know about Jesus as we read through the gospel is that he says, in John, I only do what I see the Father doing. I only say what I hear the Father saying. He's saying, I imitate the Father. And here's what we know from one of the most well-known passages of Scripture in John 3, 16, 17. The Father models giving up. As a matter of fact, we talked about this in our big the Big Give series uh, last year, the generosity of our Father as described in John 3, 16 through 17, for God so loved the world that he what? He gave his only son. Here God is modeling, giving my son that whoever would believe in my son, in him, should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. 
God the Father gave up his son because he loved the world. He, lo he gave up his son that I might receive spiritual life, that you might receive spiritual life when all we know outside of Jesus is spiritual death. So that we might know spiritual life, so that we might be alive in Christ Jesus, that we might not be dead in our sins any longer, but that we may know him. So we see this principle of giving up play out in our daily lives too. We may or may not even know it, but it plays out. We give up things for people we love. Some of you gave up careers because of your kids. You looked at your kids and you had this degree and you had this lucrative thing going that could have happened and it was even a dream and you go, no. And God changed your heart or you decided, I'm gonna... I'm gonna pour into them, I love them, I'm going to give something up for them. It costs something. Some of you parents, you know this, moms, dads, you know that it costs sleep and sanity for those babies. Sometimes more sanity than sleep. Sometimes, it, some of you, maybe you're married and you have a spouse that's relocated to a new place to pursue a, career, a whole new world, and you left the comfort of your home, you left the place you knew and all the familiar surroundings, and you left all that to go and support your spouse. And in that moment, you gave something up. Some of you do this all the time. You give up rest, or you give up hobbies to serve people that you love and that you care about, friendships and relationships. It works in so many ways, but it also works negatively too. Some of you may have given up your family for a lucrative career, or you've given up a relationship for an addiction. You've given up friendship for selfishness. You see, this principle just works both ways. If we love someone, we give up ourselves and we empty ourselves. This applies to our daily walk with God too because there is nothing we can do to earn his love, nothing we can do to earn his salvation. We simply must receive what he gave, but there's something about this, receiving what he gave. Something about seeing the father model the generosity of giving his son and the son giving his glory that when we're in relationship with them and we see what they've given up for us to be in relationship with God, for us to be in relationship with one another, when we look at all that, for us to be restored, for us to be redeemed, we look at all that, there's something in us that says, God, we know you're probably gonna ask me to give up some stuff too. I mean, if, if the father has to do it, the son has to do it, I might have to do it too. What does that really look like? To have this intimacy, this experiential relationship with God that's growing and moving forward. I know if this is true in my family, it's true in my marriage, it's true with my kids, it's probably true with God too, that it's going to take me giving some things up to develop this relationship with God. What does that look like? Everyone says they want to grow spiritually, especially if you're in church and the pastor asks you to raise your hand, you say it, Right? But why are so many not growing spiritually that say they want to? What's the difference? And today I would propose to you that the people who do grow spiritually were willing to give something up to grow spiritually. Something like control. 
You know what I'm talking about? Control. And for many of us, it's not really even control. It's just the illusion of control. The idea that you got your life kind of figured out and you want to control it. God, here's where I'd like to be. Here's what I'd like to do. And I want to run this thing. It's kind of like you being in the back seat with um, your hands around something that you think is a wheel and your foot pushing on something you think is a gas pedal and a brake. And Jesus is looking back to you and going, hey, you gave me the wheel a long time ago. What are you doing? And you're going, I'm driving my life. And he's going, no, you're not. And you're like, yes, I am. Uh, no, 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 uh, I am. And he's like, no, no, no. So why are you stressed out? Because I'm driving. Well, you don't have to drive because you gave me the keys a long time ago. Um, does this make sense? Maybe the reason you're exhausted not growing is because you're trying to drive something you're not really driving anyway. <laughs> you know, hey, here's, a, here's a crazy idea. Drop your hands, drop the feet, look outside the window and enjoy the ride, baby. Jesus has got the wheels, Carrie Underwood says. Somebody goes, what, what, are you, what are you talking about? Well, when you became a follower of Jesus and you called upon him as Lord, everyone say Lord. Lord means he's king, he's in charge. It means you handed over the keys of your life, he's got it. Some of you are still thinking you have control and you don't. And some of you need to give up the illusion of control. Some of us need to give up our agenda. You got, got on an agenda like God, hey, this is what we need to be doing. These expectations, these agendas. Hey, God, I need you to jump through these hoops, do these things. And uh, I figured I'd be at this point in my life and I'm not there yet. So I'm kind of mad at you, God. But can you get this figured out for me quickly? And like, I mean, we got these kind of expectations. Is this agenda for God? But here's what I've discovered after years of following God. And I know I look like a very young man, but I've followed God for a while now. And I'm just telling you, in my experience, as limited as it may be, is God's not interested in your expectations. He's interested in you, but not your expectations. If, if we lined up everyone in the Bible, if we lined up everyone in the Bible that had some issues with God and his expectations, the list would be long. Let's start with Abraham and Sarah. Hey God, remember when you promised us children a couple decades ago? And we're still not seeing that. Could we, you know, could we get some of that promise coming about right now? Thought that would happen a while back. Well, God's good on his promise and he's gonna deliver, but I'm just telling you, he ain't interested in your expectations. David could get in line next. Hey, God, remember when you anointed me to become king when I was really young and wasn't really prepared and that was 13 years ago and uh, I've had some crazy people chasing me, trying to kill me since then. You think you could bring that about? And God's like, you think maybe he had some expectations for it to come around sooner? You think Mary and Martha, when they came up to Jesus after Jesus' own friend Lazarus died and he looked at him and, he goes, hey, Jesus, if you'd have been here, Lazarus would be alive. You're the one who heals the sick. The, the deaf hear because of you, the blind see. If you'd have been here, he'd have been alive. Jesus, they're so disappointed. They're frustrated because Jesus didn't meet their expectations. But remember, God's not interested in expectations. He's interested in people. But he's not interested in expectations. They don't know that God's agenda is four days later to call Lazarus out from the grave and bring him back to life. They don't know. And I would propose you and I don't know either. So the idea that we're 
going to try to keep our agenda and keep our expectations is a false hope. What if we just gave them up? What if we gave up religion? Religion and rules and religiosity and this idea that we got to earn God's favor. If we jump through these spiritual hoops, if we go to church enough, if we give enough, if we do this enough, man, we'll be great. What if, what if we give that up and say, man, God, I'm going to be your daughter. I'm going to be your son. And I know that's enough. And I want to enjoy you. I want you to enjoy me. I, what, if, what, if we, what if we gave up the religion and the rules, all that junk? Maybe some of us need to give up fear of man. This fear that of what people think of us. What's my spouse going to think? What's my family going to think? What's the neighbors going to think? Right? I mean, we, we, we think, what do, they, what, what do they think about what, the way I look? What do they think about the way I talk? What do they think about what I do, what I don't do? If I don't go there, here's what they'll say. If I do go here, what they'll say? And all of a sudden, you're doing your whole life around what people think. But what about what he thinks? What if we gave up our fear of man? Sometimes our fear of man is, ri- is kind of like folded in religiosity too. Like, Really, we fear because we want people to think we're a good Christian. We want them to think we're righteous. We want them to think we're worthy. We want them to think we're a good mom. We want them to think we're a, a, good, a good dad, whatever. So we put on these airs. And I'm just saying, what if we said, God, I'm not interested in that. I don't want to please man. I want to please you. That's what I'm interested in. What if we gave up practical things like sleep? Like, no. I draw the line, right? How do you look this good on less hours of sleep, right? Here's, here, here, maybe, just maybe, there's a practical level of spending time with God, spending time with Jesus, spending time building this relationship is gonna take some time. And it may take you getting up early, going to bed sooner, whatever it is, for you to spend time with him. You gotta find, you, here's the deal. You find time and you make time for the relationships that matter to you. Just as true. The things that matter to you, you find time for. The things that matter to you, you find money for. I've just seen it, I've seen it all my whole life. If looking good matters to you, you find money. It may not be your money. We'll talk about that next week. It may not be your money, but you found this little card. You, you're gonna find a way. I'm gonna look good, right? If what matters to you is your spouse, then yeah, work may be calling, really want you to come, but man, Man, we haven't seen each other. We're spent hanging out. It's us. It's our, us time, right? What matters to us is what we spend time with. What if you gave up sleep? What if you, what if finally, what if you gave up distractions? Right? What if you gave up the, the distractions and said, you know what? I, to grow spiritually this year, I need to eliminate some things in my life. I need to eliminate TV. I, you know, is it like, I don't really have time to really develop a relationship with Jesus. Like, how many hours of football did you watch yesterday, right? How many, how many times did you post something on Instagram yesterday, right? How many times did you not post anything, but you looked at what everyone else posted on Instagram yesterday? Like, when we begin to look at the things in our lives, we really do have time, but maybe some of those things are distractions, and we need to eliminate the distractions in our lives. What is it that we need to give up? What distractions do we need to give up? Is it the phone? Is it the social media? Is it Netflix? Whatever it is. What is it that we need to give up so that we can, man, have a year of getting closer to Christ? So 
we know him better and we hear him more. Not, you're, you're always his son and daughter. You're not going to earn that, but just experientially that this year's going to be different. It's going to be different because you're willing to do some things you've never been able to give up in the past. You're going to give up now. Why am I going to give that up? has one. If you have a bulletin, you can pull this out. If you have just one, somebody next to you doesn't have one of these cards, you can share it with them here. You take one. Um, there's a pin in the back of each pew. I encourage you to grab this pin unless the second service people stole it. If so, condemn them next week. Grab that pin and I want you to just, um, we're going to take a moment right now. Not later, not like, yeah, I'll take this and I'll, I'll, you know, it'll, um, this is a good thought, Pastor. Here in seven years, I'll think about that. I'll put that right here, right? No, no, no. Right now, here's what I'm asking you to do. Simply write down on this card, I'm giving up blank. Just fill in the blank. I'm giving up blank to grow spiritually in my relationship with the Lord this year. Maybe control. Just take a moment right now. Just write it down. You don't have to put your name on it or anything. Just I'm going to give up sleep. I'm going to give up distractions giving up fear of man, whatever it is you're giving up, just take a moment and write that down. We're going to do something with it here in a moment. I'm going to give you a few minutes. Chris gets done wrapping up the service. Here's, as before you leave the sanctuary, here's what I want you to do. Would you be willing to take your card and just take it to these cedar planks that are lined up on the sides and in the back there of the sanctuary, and there's pins that are stuck into the wood. I would like for you to take this, simply pin it up, and I want you to remember where generally you, you pinned it up. And over the next several weeks, I want you to be reminded when you come in and you see where you pinned that up, the area of what of what you're giving up this year to get closer to God. And as you do, let it be an encouragement and a reminder to us that we're giving up something together to gain something, a, a deeper experiential relationship with our Savior. Willing to give up something maybe we haven't been able to give up in the past. Let's just write that down here in a moment. Pastor Chris will remind you as you head out. Father, thank you for today. Your goodness and your grace. Give us the strength that only you provide. Lord, we don't, we don't in any way believe that this earns us any merit or favor with you. But God, we want to model a generous, giving God. It's who you are. It's your nature. It's your character. Father, you gave your son Jesus, you gave your glory. You emptied yourself. So God, I pray that we would just, by your Holy Spirit, we would listen and isolate those 
areas of our lives where we need to be emptied. Let us be emptied for your sake, for your glory.